You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. Um, okay, I'm uh, excited today. We, all right, our theme is our theme is go therefore, and this church um, we have sent Stephen Terry Barr go therefore uh, to Australia, and they've been ministering, uh, working there for the last three weeks. Um, I'm sure strengthening, equipping, speaking uh, the words that God would have them speak into the life of the people, God's people in Australia. And he sent back, Steve, a a report today. I don't know what time it was. It doesn't matter. Actually, today is Monday over there already. Uh, I can't do this with the accent, so if Logan was here, I'd have him come here and do this. Great service at Life to the Nations. Uh, That church was planted by Russ Doty. Uh, Some of you know him. And is now uh, led by his son. Um, An older man, listen to this. An older man, 50-plus, who's gone to church his whole life, received Jesus after 50 years. So something happened with him, and we're going to touch on that a little bit today. Um, It went from here to here for this guy, and that's an awesome thing. Uh, Ready to come home and hear all that's gone on. Miss you guys, and we miss them too. Um, So they are there, and... With us from San Jose are the McNamara's. Now, yeah, if you're, if you're a guest here, um, some of you might not know them, but just a little bit of like history and family. So I'm going to have the three of you that are here, please come up, including you, Josh. This is a rough. Meg's, Meg got out of it. All right. So um, four years ago on January 2nd, uh, it's a problem I have, all right? Um, there's, there's some history to this. I'm serious. If you have, talk to me, I'll tell you about it. But anyway, um, four years ago, uh, they left Westside on January 2nd to plant down in San Jose. And we're going to hear a little bit about the, the provision, uh, the grace of God in that plant, as Patrick shares today. Two and a half years before they left, they were a part of this body. And they were part of this family. And there's a deep relationship um, that the Lord builds. And you can hear about that as well. So when we have them back, it's family. It's not, not a guest speaker. Uh, we're not paying Patrick. Um, he's excited, I'm sure, to be here. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I'll just cover this now. We do like to bless so if God puts it on your heart to bless Patrick, you can make a check out when you have our offering at the end of the service and put it in. It will go to them um, to, to help them. And so uh, this is Vanessa. She's v- very gifted. Um, you're all gifted. She's, she's not any better, but she's, got, she's, a, she's a poet, a writer, very good writer. And this is Josh. When he left, he was like, here? <laughs> This is the, the wonderful thing about teenagers, you know, you, like when they're coming back, they're seeing your kids and they're going, who are you? <laughs> so we're thrilled uh, to have you. And I wish Megs was here, but she scooted out. So I'm going to pray for you and, and use you as a family before you preach. But first, um, I'm going to ask you a question. How has it been for you in San Jose? It's been really good. Um, I love the diversity in the city and just making friends with people from like other cultures. I think 
one of my friends is born in the U.S. and all of the other ones are from different countries. So that's what I like. That's awesome. And they, they are, I'm not going to get into your, your preach. All right, so Father, I just, we just thank you uh, for this family. Um, we thank you for the call that you put on their life. We thank you for their obedience. And Lord, I pray that as Patrick brings your word today, Lord, that um, our hearts would be opened and that we'd be encouraged and uh, just be touched by what you've done in the lives of this family. In your name we pray. Amen. One, two, one, two, one, two. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> it's good to see you all. It's been a while since I've preached twice in one Sunday. <laughs> I'm having to rev it up again, and <laughs> no, God is doing it. It's fine. I'll be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> it's wonderful to be with you. I'm, I'm so grateful to Steve and the elders for giving us this opportunity to come and fill in the gap while they're away. Uh, we've been anxious to see you all. It's been a while. And uh, certainly, I would say, probably about half of you I don't recognize. Um, forgive me if I should recognize you. <laughs> Maybe you've changed quite a bit since I've last seen you. But, but it's wonderful just to see the fruitfulness and the growth. It's like going, you can imagine going into a, a vegetable nursery. And if you don't see any growth, it's like, well, what is, what is this for? Why, why is this here? But when you come back to a, a community, a family like this, and you see change, it's right. It's appropriate. You want to see people growing. You want to see new folk coming in. Uh, you want to see people maturing. And so it's wonderful to be back and to see the life of God in your lives, um, to reconnect again. feels like we haven't been away at all when we come back. It's just easy to <clears throat> step back in and, and reconnect. And, and I want to start off just by saying how grateful to God we are for you. Uh, some of you might not know, but uh, you've supported us, you've uh, visited us, you've prayed for us, just been there for us. Steve and Terry, we, we try and see regularly. Some of you have come and stayed with us in our home. Um, and we do, after four years, we still feel a very real part of this family. Uh, and it's significant. It's significant because we left our home country of South Africa to come here seven years ago now. And uh, then we left Westside to go down to San Jose. And we arrived there with, well, we spent six months in San Jose not knowing anyone. And then some folk from Westside came down and joined us. Um, and so it's significant knowing that in the same country, at least, in the same state in this case, which was even better, two and a half hours away, there's still family that you can just drive and go and see or will come and see you. And so I'm grateful this morning to be able to say personally thank you for your support, for your love, for your prayers, for your thoughts, uh, the contact that we've had with some of you. It really has meant a lot and continues to mean a lot to us. So thanks. I know Vanessa would echo that as well. So... I'm going to, um, I know what you guys are doing this year. I have listened to some of the preachers that, that have been preached, and uh, <clears throat> so I'm going to try and continue along the same vein. But I'm going to start by reminding you of four scriptures that speak all about the same thing and just contextualize 
what I'm going to share with those verses. So we're going to read Matthew 28, 18 again. I know you've read it already a couple of times this year. But uh, these are all basically Jesus' words. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Mark 16 echoes that in verse 15. It says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Luke 24, verse 44, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending you the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Finally, Acts 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So I hope it's clear that Christ's mandate for his disciples is a global mandate. It's an international project that we are called to. It's local, it's citywide, it's statewide, it's nationwide. It's this whole planet is God's project, is God's desire. He wants every person to hear about Jesus to know him, and I'll get back into that a bit later. These are the words, go therefore, go into all the world, to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So I hope that's clear to all of us, that the mandate we have been given in the Great Commission is international. And it's not just for the few it's not just for Steve and Terry to go to Australia and to be part of a church meeting there and get the, the privilege to preach in that church. But for all of us, the mindset, the perspective is this is for the whole world. We've got to look outwards. We've got to keep our eyes out there that it's for all of the world, everybody. Vanessa and I have been involved in churches since 1987 that have recognized and emphasized this mandate to go, to be out there, to be part of this international, this, uh, this global call. And so in uh, 1998, we left our jobs. We cashed in our pension, pensions. Uh, obviously, you have to pay tax when you do that. But uh, depending on the, the plan. But we, we cashed it all in. We bought round-the-world tickets. We left everything, and we spent a year supporting new churches. We went to Australia for four months. We went to Vancouver Island, to Canada for three months. We spent three months down in southern L.A. in Dana Point. And then we uh, 
did everything in between. We had a wonderful adventure. <clears throat> and then we got back home. Obviously, we didn't have kids. or not, Obviously, we didn't have kids at that stage. We, we got back home to Johannesburg, South Africa, which is where we were born. And for the next 10 years, we raised two wonderful kids. Josh is here with us in the front this morning, and, and Meg is out with the, the junior hires. And uh, then in 2009, we did the same thing, but we did it on a permanent basis. We upped our lives. We sold everything. We had quarter of a container load of stuff with us when we arrived here. Could fit in a couple of trucks. I don't know, Mike, if you remember that. Um, and we, uh, we moved our lives. We came to this incredible church community in this little city that we'd never heard of before called Hangtown. It's a great place. I want to encourage you to visit it sometime. <laughs> but a wonderful, wonderful church family just, uh, just swallowed at, uh, us up. I mean, we, we felt like we were part of the family from the very beginning. We were met at the airport in Sacramento by these uh, 40 or so wild backcountry black civilians and <laughs> just never looked back. Hopefully some of it's rubbed off on us. I don't know. But uh, we are city people at heart. And so after two and a half years here, getting established in the American culture and recognizing that actually this is American culture, that the world thinks New York and San Francisco and, San, and, and Los Angeles is America, but actually this is more America <laughs> for most people. Um, and so loved just this experience of, of being in the city uh, for those two and a half years. Then moved back to, uh, well, down to San Jose. We felt God called us there. And, um, and had another adventure. For four years, we've been living there, getting integrated into that community. As Josh said, just a very diverse community. Um, so we're not, we're not the ones with the weird accents anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we're the rule now. It's the American accents that are weird. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, so that's where we find ourselves, in Silicon Valley, just up the road from <clears throat> Cupertino, which is where your iPhone defaults in terms of the date and time. So if you ever wondered where that is, it's where we live. <laughs> and an exciting city, a wonderful place to live, a wonderful adventure. But uh, I could tell you stories about how God provided for us in those two occasions, spending the year overseas and then this move, these couple of moves that we've had. I could spend all day telling you his faithfulness, how he led us, how he um, gave us what we needed when we needed it. Just incredible provision from God every step of the way. Um, and it is a, a testimony of his faithfulness time and time again uh, that we, we have never lacked it's been tough, and let me not lie to you. I'll, I'll share a bit about that in, in a moment. But uh, I want to start off by making this point, that whether it was the couple of months we were in each city during that year that we traveled, the two and a half years in Placerville, or the four years now in San Jose, it, doesn't, it didn't matter where we found ourselves, how long we were there, the church we were part of, None of that made any difference to the mandate that we have been given. And I want to make that point, I want to start off by making that point this morning. 
that while going is a big thing, the mandate, the reason for the going doesn't change. And so the same emphasis for us in terms of being in Sydney, Australia, was we want to see disciples of Jesus made. The same emphasis now in San Jose, we want to see disciples of Jesus made. When we're in Placerville, we want to see disciples of Jesus made. That is the emphasis that we live for. And so for you, just as for us, I want to remind you that even if you don't feel the specific call to uproot and move cities, the mandate stays the same. It's for you too to see disciples made for Christ. You've heard several talk about how going can mean going to another city, another nation, and it can mean going to the neighbor across the street. And I want to, I want to um, encourage you this morning that, that having moved twice, uprooted our lives and left everything we know and love behind, God is so faithful that after months, maybe years, it's home. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter whether you move from Pollock Pines to Placerville and make that leap of faith and that huge culture change. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. That God is faithful and will establish you. We find ourselves after four years with good jobs, with a home that we rent. We, we live in a 1,100-square-foot home. It's a million-dollar home, I want to have you know. We don't own it, and it's not what you're all thinking, (laughs) okay? But God has provided for us. We left here without work. Our kids, we, we hadn't already placed them in schools, nothing. We arrived there. We had organized the rental. I'd been down a couple of times and gone and organized that. So we had a a home to stay, and God provided miraculously for us in that regard. But in the four years being there, he has made it about San Jose as we did about Placerville. We feel the same as we did about Johannesburg. It's home. It's not like you move to another country and you never feel at home when God's involved. If he's called you there, it becomes home. And so you think... It's going, to be, it's going to be awful. It's going to be so difficult. It's so different. And it is. Let me not lie to you. There is a price. But it becomes home, and you suddenly realize the mandate is still the same. We haven't gone to San Jose and suddenly realized, well, now we can really do what God has called us to. Now that we've gone and moved and sacrificed, now we can do it. And it's the danger with calling people missionaries. They call to another country. They start churches, schools, hospitals. But you look at them and you think, that's for them. That's the mission. They are the ones who call to make disciples. Because you have to move to another country. Then you really get the mandate. Then you you get your your job description and, and the call. But let me tell you, it's not like that. You move somewhere... It becomes home. It starts to feel the same, and you recognize, hey, I'm home. The mandate hasn't changed. I'm still called to this great commission. And so I want to remind all of us this morning 
the Great Commission is ours. It's not just Stephen Terry's to go to another nation. And I'm not saying you have to go to another nation. Actually, I'm saying recognize that you don't have to go to another nation to be part of this global mandate to see disciples made for Christ. Uh, I don't want to make light of the going because there is a price to pay. I haven't seen my parents in four years. I haven't seen my sister in four years. Both our parents live in South Africa, and so it's a big thing for them to come visit us. We haven't been back to South Africa for seven years. Um, Our kids didn't grow up with grandparents and with family around them. There's a price to pay. There's, There's no doubt about it. But you count the cost. You recognize it. And you say, Jesus, you are worth it. And he provides. He does so faithfully do what we we need him to do. Thanks, Kate. (laughs) I love the passion. Let me paint a picture for you. Say, Pam says to Joe, "Uh, Honey, please, can you go to the store and get me some milk? Uh, imagine if Joe said to Pam, oh, that, that, um, that makes me so nervous. I don't know if I'm called to go. <laughs> I don't know where to go. Should I go to the, the 7-Eleven or should I go to Walmart? Uh, uh, I don't know what God's called me to. Um, I, I'm not sure if going is in me. Um, can't you go rather? <laughs> can't he send someone else? <laughs> can't you send Olivia? She's called to go. <laughs> she must go. I mean, it's ridiculous, and milk's a, a silly example. But imagine if it was a pair of shoes, and I know, Joe, that he would go to Sacramento. He would go to San Jose to buy Pam a pair of shoes if she needed it, if she asked him to. Listen, the point isn't the going in that request, right? She's not concerned where he goes to get the milk. She just wants the milk. And so actually in the Great Commission, I want to encourage you not to get bogged down with the going. Don't be so uh, weirded out and panicky and, and full of stress about the going. Get involved in the mandate and let God worry about the going. Okay? You call to it today. When you go home this afternoon, the mandate for you is to make disciples Christ. Let me read to you what all those verses with, that started with go into the world. Go, go, go. This is what they actually want us to do. This is what Christ has called us to in the going. We call to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's your mandate this morning. Preach the gospel to all creation. That's your mandate this morning. Repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name. Don't wait till you go for that to be your mandate. Our mandate And then finally, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, 
and you, yeah, you will be his witnesses. And so, how many of you have moved recently? Show me by a show of hands. Who's, who's moved from Pollock Pines to Placerville? <laughs> who's moved out to wherever? <laughs> yeah. Good chunk of you, right? Did you ever consider that that move was going? Was that part of your thinking when you moved? That actually that is as valid a go as Vanessa now moving down to the Bay Area. You left what you knew. Maybe it was for a job. Maybe it was for convenience. Who knows? But actually that's what it looks like to go. It's just as valid to move cities, to move neighborhoods, to move countries, because the mandate doesn't change. I, I really, I can't emphasize that enough to you. You, you, you. you need to experience it. You live somewhere for four years, it becomes home, and you realize, actually, I should have done what I'm doing now when I was in Placerville. That was our revelation. Why did it take a move of 10,000 miles from Johannesburg to eventually San Jose to help us recognize what this mandate looks like? What were we waiting for in Johannesburg? We were so busy. We were on staff at a church when we left. Our kids were at the church school. Our lives were hectic. It didn't even cross our minds. We were waiting for that day when we can go and really get part of this mission, part of this mandate for our lives. Now living in San Jose, just as busy, even worse, <laughs> even busier. And suddenly you realize this is the mandate. And we can all do it. It's not that you need a theological degree before you can make disciples. And so my first point is that making disciples is not why we move. Making disciples is why we live. <clears throat> so you might be wondering what making disciples looks like for us in San Jose. We arrived um, four years ago in this wonderful little neighborhood called Strawberry Park. And um, through a series of events, met a, a lady who lived in a neighboring neighborhood. And she introduced us to this, um, this picture of building community called driveway parties. Now, it's not common in South Africa. We'd never heard of it before. We are like, what is this? She's like, well, you just invite some neighbors and open up your driveway. And uh, everyone brings food, put up some canopies and put out some tables, and you hang out together. And we were like, oh, we can do that. And uh, we, through that process, met our neighborhood association leadership. And after meeting with us for a couple of hours, they said, won't you be part of the neighborhood association leadership? And we were like we don't know what an association is. We've never been part of this before. They said, that's fine. You just, just come and join us. So for four years, Vanessa's been the secretary and I've been the treasurer on our neighborhood association. We still don't know what it's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> but, <clears throat> but the opportunity it gave us was to become part of a community and have a valid reason to organize stuff in our neighborhood. And so every summer, we've had four or five driveway parties. We've spread it out through the neighborhood. 
and people host them. And we get a great turnout generally. Wonderful response. We have a, a Halloween event that we, we make um, specific, and we have a plan and a map where homes are, are giving out candy. And we've had a, a huge growth over the years in people who, who respond to that. We took a leaf out of Stephen Terry's book, and we, we make chili and have uh, apple cider. And because in San Jose there's a huge Asian component, we also have lentil curry. And it's a wonderful opportunity to meet people in the neighborhood. They come to our door. And they sit and chat to us. We didn't even have to go and knock on theirs. We did that in the beginning. But it's, it's a wonderful moment just to get to know people in the neighborhood. And uh, Vanessa's part of a Banco group that meets once a month. Who knows what Banco is? Oh, good. Some of you. Okay, it's an excuse to get together and chat. <laughs> and it's, it, they love this time together. It's such good relationships have been built as, as they've done this. And uh, <clears throat> I hope, as you've heard me speak about what disciple-making looks like in our neighborhood, you've realized that it's not exceptional. It's not a church strategy. It's not something that we've read in a church planning manual. It's until you read before you start doing. All that we've done in San Jose, in Strawberry Park, is we've reached out and befriended people. We've gone next door and said hi. We've taken meals to sick neighbors. I prepare for my Sundays at Burger King. It's a mile walk away. And uh, so when I go there during the week, um, I buy a, a heavenly Seattle's $1 coffee, and I, I sit and, and prepare, and I've, I've met this group of elderly people who walk every day. And so sometimes I have to go early so that I can prep before they arrive. Because once they're there, we sit and we chat for ages. And so it's an incredible thing when you realize that, that there's the, the theology of making disciples is about relationship, is about friendship. It's about loving people and knowing people. But over the last four years, we've come to realize that there are two commands that are more important than the Great Commission. Let me remind you. Matthew 22, verse 34 says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So I want to encourage us all this morning. If the great commandment is not more important to you than the great commission, then you're wasting your time with the great commission. Our disciple-making, our emphasis on relationship has to come from a place of loving God and loving others. Otherwise, it's just, <clears throat> excuse me, it's organizational. 
It's formulaic. It's this process that we engage in. But when we love God and we love others, it's actually built in. It's part of us to go and tell people about the one we love. And so my second point is that obedience to the call to go, to go and make disciples, has to be the result of our love for God and our love for others. Who... um, Who would deny that when you meet someone who's recently fallen in love, that it's difficult to get them to keep quiet about the one that they've just fallen in love with? I love passion. I respond to passion. I'm more and more uh, excited by passion when I see passion in people. I said to Mac, and so he won't mind me using him as, as an example. I've only met him this morning. But just sitting and listening, I didn't even have to see him, but listening to him play this morning, I was stirred, I was enthused, I was inspired by his passion. And so that's what it looks like when we're passionate about God. And people respond to passion. People follow passion. People are inspired by passion. And so the, the love for God isn't a mental ascent. Yes, I love God. It's I love God. And when we, want to, when, we, when we feel that way about God, it becomes a lot easier, let me tell you, to share about him, to be a witness to others because there's this, this stirring in you. I just can't wait. You sit across from someone who's lost, who doesn't know Jesus, and you're like, how do I direct this conversation? so that I can tell this person about the one I love, about my Jesus, about my God. And so it does boil down to relationship, about knowing God and loving God, loving Him passionately and loving others passionately. And so knowing is actually where this all starts for me. That knowing is the basis for relationship. Knowing is the foundation. Knowing is the process is the maturity for relationship. And God has created us for relationship with himself and with others. And knowing, interestingly enough, is not just an intellectual knowledge. And this is where the difference comes in for me, where we must be careful not to, uh, not to limit ourselves in terms of knowing God that we can know about God. We can chat to others about God. We can read books about God. We can read the Bible. We can listen to sermons. We can study. We can go and get a degree in theology. But I want to tell you, friends, that that doesn't mean that you know God. If you, if you got a book, if, if someone wrote a biography on your spouse and you read it and read it and read it and read it, and you talk to their parents, and you talk to their friends about them, and uh, you did all these things, who would dare to say that after that you would know that person? The difference is that when you truly can say, I know someone, it's because you've spent time with them. It's because you've engaged them one-on-one. It's because you've had experiences together. It's because you've enjoyed life together. You've done things. That's why we know you. And let me tell you, that's why we love you, because we've done life together, because we've had time, two and a half years of 
of life up here with you. We've got to know you beyond the this is what they're like. We've seen it. We've been part of it. And so this is what I want to encourage you with in terms of your relationship with God. Is you might be a great theological student, but that's not all that knowing is. It's part of it. It's both. It's knowing intellectually and knowing intimately that gives us the opportunity to know someone, to be able to say, I do know you, because you have both. You know that Jesus more than once said to the Pharisees that they didn't know God. Now, these are the experts in the religion. They studied all their lives. That's what they devoted themselves to. And he said to them, you don't know God. When you engage with someone, when you interface with them, interact with them on a personal level, when you talk to them about who you've heard that they are, then you start to find out what their dreams are. You start to find out what they love. You start to discover truly who they are. When you see them interacting with others, when you're with them, when you go through tough times. I love the, the uh, West Side Wheelers adventures. I've never been on one. I've never been invited. <laughs> I'm kidding. I just don't have a four by four. <laughs> but I love, I love that idea. I think it's, it's a great thing. Because you go and you adventure together. You go and you get fought with these beautiful, wonderful, powerful four-by-fours stuck. And you get them out together. You, you break things together. <laughs> and you, you damage these thousands and thousands of dollars worth of vehicle together. <laughs> and the owner has to pay for it. <laughs> but it's a wonderful time of sharing life of sitting out in the, in the forests and, and eating together and chatting about life. And I want to encourage you to go if you get the opportunity. Because that's what I'm talking about. But God wants us to relate to Him. He wants us to have those adventures with Him. When you read the Bible, it will remain a history book unless the Holy Spirit is with you talking with you, walking you through it, telling you what he thinks about it, telling you why it's there, telling you the context as you study, as you read others. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes it life, who makes it real, who allows you the insight into who God is through that. Without the Holy Spirit, you might read it intellectually, you might memorize it, but you don't know God. You know about him until the Holy Spirit is there engaging you around the scriptures. It's the same with preaching. It's why we encourage you, once you've heard a preach, take it and, and say, God, God, I want to chat to you about this. What do you think? Is he, is he right? Is he, is he talking nonsense? Take it to God. Make it personal. Not just personal for you, but between you and him. Engage him around the scriptures. Engage him around the things you read and the things that you hear. Because it's not just that you then understand what was written or understand what was spoken. It's that you get to know him through those occasions.
Thank you. You know, knowing God is actually the only way we know what it is to love. Let me read you what John 4, 1 John 4 says. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So if you want to love, you need to know God. If you want to obey the Great Commission, you need to love. You know the scripture well in conclusion, John 3.16. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I want to read you another scripture in John, John 17, verse 3. It says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So if you allow, allow me the liberty of putting those two together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that everyone who believes in him, everyone who believes in him will not perish, but that they will know him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who he has sent. This is our mandate, that we know God, that we fall in love with him, that we fall in love with others through relationship, and that we're inspired through that to go into all the world and make disciples. That our motivation to go is love. Because you know what happens when you love passionately? There is no price too high to pay to see that love fulfilled, worked out, shared with others, to, to obey God. There's nothing that he could ask you that is too much to fulfill what he has commanded us to do. And so if going makes you nervous, just go back to God. Fall in love with him. Because fear is nothing more than not knowing God. When we fear, it's because we don't know how God feels about it. We look at a situation and we're like, this is out of control. Imagine, imagine if God tells you, no, I'm actually in control. You know he does. <laughs> he is in control. But we don't know that. We don't recognize it. We don't acknowledge it. We don't know him. We don't. So I want to encourage you. No matter how much you feel you know God this morning, there is more to God than you know right now. And it's going to take time. But how do we get to know people? It's time. You have experiences with them. 
You go on adventures with them. You go to coffee. You go to dinner. You go for a walk. Do it with God. Go and have coffee at Burger King with God. (laughs) And sit and ask him about the people sitting next to you. And chat to him. Not just for information's sake, but so that you relate. It's personal. It's intimate. We get to experience God. You get to say with David that I, I cannot help myself but to tell others about what God has done, who God is to me. It becomes a passion. He becomes the passion of your heart. Then going isn't difficult. You move for all sorts of reasons. We move for all sorts of reasons. If you lost your job, you would move. If there was something offered somewhere else. It's the same with God. When we know Him and are prepared to sacrifice, that's where love's expressed the most clearly, right? Is through sacrifice. That's how we know He loves us. But it's the same. When we love God, no sacrifice is too great, no price too high to pay to see others whom we love, who we relate to, become Christ's disciples. Thanks, John. Thank you, Patrick. So the, uh, the word has gone out today, and I just want to remind us that when we see a, a human speaking, um, we can think that, that it's Patrick that's speaking to us. Well, it isn't. It's the Lord that's speaking through Patrick, and you, you need to know that. It's the Lord that has brought this message of communion with him today. He desires your time, and he desires to speak to you, to every one of you here, and he desires um, that his presence would be felt uh, by you. And when that happens, it's like Patrick preached, there's, there's simply peace with any decision that we make, with whatever call he has on our life, because he's involved in that. And another theme um, that was to, that went today that was part of the preach was salvation, knowing the Lord. And, um, you know, I think of that guy that Steve wrote about. He was 50, and they'd gone to church for 50 years, and he gave his heart to Christ after 50 years. And that's a, that's a praise. It's awesome. And today, if you are that person, you're not a bad person. Uh, when you think that, that's just the enemy. Um, it's that simple. But if you know God up here and you haven't felt his presence in your heart, you can have that today. You can feel his presence and his power. So how does that happen? You just open yourself up to him. We're all sinners. We're all saved by his mighty grace. You just say, Lord, I need your grace. Lord, I don't understand everything, but I want to accept that you died for me. And Lord, help me to follow you. That's it. If you do that here, you're saved. And your your life begins today. So please take the opportunity.
to do that. <clears throat> We're going to have communion where um, we remember the cost uh, that Jesus paid for us. Um, I mean, really, you know, this is me, but when I think about what he did, it, it, it translates all the way, all the way through the preach today. Because without that happening, what we got today, we could never have gotten. It's amazing. So let's remember him for that. We have our, our baskets up here for our tithes and our, um, our love gifts. And also, I mentioned early, if you want to sow into um, the ministry of Patrick and Vanessa and their church, you can make a check out uh, to them, and uh, that will happen. That will get there. So let's stand. Amen. Uh, Life Start Church, we love you guys. Uh, those that travel, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, coming, coming in. Uh, so I always like to ask this question, uh, do you want healing today? Do you want comfort? Do you need encouragement or do you need to be strengthened? Please come up for prayer and allow the Lord to minister. We love you guys. Have a great day.